This episode of the Insurance Coffee House is sponsored by Insurance Search. Insurance Search provides executive recruitment services to insurance companies and brokers in the UK and across the United States. Visit insurance-search.com for more details. The Insurance Coffee House, the place where you get to meet and learn from some of the most successful insurance business leaders from across the world. Hosted by Nick Hoadley, CEO of Insurance Search. Welcome to the Insurance Coffee House Global InsureTech Series. I'm Nick Hoadley, and each week you can join me as I interview leading InsureTech executives from around the world. We will be learning about the different InsureTech technologies and finding out how they can be a benefit to both insurance brokers and carriers when it comes to delivering for your customers. We'll also be learning about the different career opportunities available to insurance leaders within the InsureTech space and what benefits that can give to your career. I hope you enjoy the show. Today, I'm delighted to be joined by James Tate, who is the CEO, and Brett Laker, who heads up North America, both joining us from Underwrite Me today. And it's a pleasure to have you both on the show today. Welcome to the show, guys. Thanks, Nick. Great to be here. Yeah, thanks for having us. It's a pleasure to have you both joining us today on the podcast. We've already had a few little technical issues, but hopefully we'll be fine from here. Guys, can we dive straight in? First of all, James, I'd love to start with you. Do you mind sharing with our listeners a little bit about your career background, your journey, and the steps that led to you starting Underwrite Me? Sure, yeah. I'm I'm a, actually an actuary by training, so I've I worked most of my early career in, in life insurance at various insurance companies and reinsurance companies. And then my employer Pacific Life Re decided to invest in Underwrite Me and I was involved from the beginning initially as a NED and then I took over as CEO two and a half three years ago now so and enjoying every moment of it. Excellent excellent and really looking forward to hear about the business and the journey that it's been on. Brett if we could turn to you would you mind giving our listeners a similar overview of your career background and maybe the attraction that led to you joining the business? Yeah, like James, I was with Pacific Life Free, uh, and that's how we actually knew each other. And when the opportunity to bring Underwrite Me North America came about, I was I was pretty excited about doing that. Also, I was fortunate to know James and much of the team before, so pretty comfortable moving over to work with them. And I I had the luxury of working on both sides too for a little bit. And so bringing my insurance experience and then working with the tech team to learn the products and figure out how we're going to approach the U.S. market and then ultimately Canada as well. And just a huge opportunity for me for at this point in my career. But also it sounds like very much a home from home there as well. That, you know, there is a lot of comfort in that for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, thank you guys. As our listeners know, our first question of the day is the most important one. So as we are in the insurance coffee house today, what's your go-to coffee of choice that gets you up in the morning? So for me, it has to be a black Americano. Keep it simple. Keep the calories low. Uh, for me, it's, it's usually a French press or a pour over, whatever my wife happens to be making when I'm working from home. And when I'm out in the, in the world, it's usually a black Americano as well. Yeah, very good. Uh, we've all got some some strong black coffee with us, which we certainly needed after the start we had with some of our some of our technical difficulties. Guys, if we can now turn to the business to underwrite me, would you mind giving me an overview, maybe a, a snapshot of where the business is at the moment? Sure. So, I, I mean, we set the business up 10 years ago with the, the aim of making life insurance easier to buy and sell. And we did that by creating a market marketplace for agents to compare prices and compare underwriting terms all in one place. On the insurance side, 
by helping them to automate their underwriting process and make it quicker for customers to get their policies on the books. So um, that was the original start. We've been on a long and exciting journey over the last 10 years to the point now that we are writing about 20% of UK life insurance policies through that marketplace. And we have our underwriting technology live in 12 countries around the world. So um, really exciting growth over the last, last 10 years and more to come, hopefully. Yeah, absolutely. It sounds like there's been some incredible growth during that time. How have you sort of developed the products? How have you developed that service over that period? What does that look like now? So, I, I mean, the, the focus really is on solving customer problems, whether that's agents in, in the marketplace context or insurance companies in the in the underwriting technology context. So when we created that marketplace, we knew we needed to offer a, a high proportion of decisions online for it to be a credible marketplace. And that's, that's really where our underwriting technology grew from. And I think the future is going to be one of really embracing some some of the new technologies coming to, to the industry, the likes of machine learning and natural language processing to move from automating underwriting based on rules to automating in any way an insurance company wants to do, whether that's using third-party data, whether it's using complex medical evidence, or whether it's using simple application forms that the customer answers. Um, so it's about being as flexible as possible. And um, that's really where we're headed over the next five years. Yeah, fantastic. What would you say, moving on to the value proposition, what are some of the key benefits for the stakeholders, whether that is the, the carriers or whether that is for the end policyholders, the end customers? So for, for carriers, it's a question of making the businesses more efficient and being able to grow without necessarily having to recruit huge numbers of, of underwriters um, to achieve those growth plans. And it's about making their processes more attractive for agents who are trying to put policies on the book, making it quicker, making it simpler, making it easier for them. Um, and then for customers, those, those benefits translate through for customers. If we can make it more economic for insurers to offer cover, then and we can get more customers covered. Right. If I could switch to you now, in terms of the North American market, what do you really see as the opportunity there? And you know, how, how are you looking to build things out over the next 12 months? Yeah, so North America is a lot more I guess, friendly and reliant on the uh, third-party data than it is mm -hmm. in other markets. So it's, it's an opportunity for us as well as carriers to be able to use our technology. So as, as James had sort of alluded to, our, our technology is fairly quite customer-centric and friendly. So it, we give the tools to actually manage it yourself. And so you don't have to come to us for updates and uh, changing the rules and such. You actually can do it on the fly. It's very, very agile. But we're we're also still learning at the front end of, of North America with all the data sources and figuring out the best way to ingest them into the engine and make it the most seamless process rather than just waiving them. Because there's so much out there to get a proper decision made. You don't have to go full acceleration. You can actually bring in the data and have proper risk management. So uh, we've been fortunate. We came out of the gate with number one writer and number four in North America. So it's not a bad start. Uh, and they've been really collaborative, particularly number one. So we've been kind of putting our heads together how to uh, work with some of the like EHR information that people have struggled to kind of crack that nut. But our text mining product is doing a nice job of sort of figuring that out so it can stay automated versus the summary. So it's, it's a pretty exciting time, really. Really exciting, a huge, huge opportunity. James, if I could just ask you more on the international business outside of the US, how does that look at the moment and how, how has that grown over the last few years? 
Yeah, sure. So in the UK, about 20% of life insurance is written through through our marketplace in Q1 of this year. Um, Our underwriting technology is the most used underwriting technology in the life insurance market. Uh, We're in a similar place in Australia and New Zealand as the the leading underwriting automation provider. And then we're rapidly growing through Southeast Asia. Um, It's really interesting how the different markets have different needs, Mm. but we really try and put global products together that are flexible enough to adapt to any market that we we decide to operate in. What are some of the main differences with the US market? Is is there in terms of like market saturation of some of the insurers there at the moment, is that different to maybe the UK or Europe? I, I mean, I think that the big difference between the US and the UK is on the face of it, the number of insurance companies that, that we could be dealing with and the, the size of the market. It's the biggest insurance market in the world, which is part of what makes it exciting for us. The other big difference, is, as Brett touched on earlier, is that you've got a lot of third-party data sources that you could use in your underwriting process. So there's prescription databases, there's electronic health records, there's motor vehicle records, all of which are used in the underwriting process as well as the customer application format. That presents really exciting problems for data scientists and actuaries and software engineers to get their teeth into um, automating and making processes easier for, for customers and agents. Absolutely. Absolutely. It sounds like there's been a tremendous amount of growth and lots of opportunity as well. Could I ask you though to just share with our listeners maybe about some of the challenges that you've had as you've built and scaled this business? Sure. Yeah. So, I mean, I think the main challenge and it's a challenge to have is there's so many opportunities to, to work on, whether, you know, whether that's, you know, building the underwriting engine out to be as, as powerful and as flexible as it could possibly be, whether it's looking at the problem of detailed medical records and, and turning that into structured data that could be automated. There's so many, so many problems out there. Probably the biggest challenge has been prioritizing what we tackle first as we've grown um, on the one hand, and on the other hand, the other challenge has been picking the right markets to go into. And then finally, I think it's a challenge that's particularly relevant now, but recruiting the right people into the business, I think, is always something that's really fundamental to a company's success. And um, it's a challenging recruitment market at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. can completely understand the, almost the size of the opportunity is the challenge there. Brett, moving over to the North American market, obviously looking to grow and, and, and build it out over there. What are the challenges you've seen there? A lot of those around recruitment, sort of building those teams, as James has said, or has there been some other challenges out there? Uh, recruitment, to an extent, we've been, we made a decision to build it sort of as the um, the, the marketing opportunity arises. And so we're just starting really to expand. We've got a fair bit of support from our UK team. So we've been pretty fortunate that way. But the one, one of the things we're reinsure as Pacific Life for you around the globe. And so there's a lot of luxury in having relationships through that. We don't have that in North America. We don't operate as a reinsurer. And so it's about building relationships with those 900,000 carriers that are out there without that door opener. But we've been working through that. Our technology is definitely well-regarded and it somewhat speaks for itself. So we've had a lot of inquiries. We've been going to conferences and meeting people. And I mean, it's it's not a big industry when you really narrow it down to going to an underwriting or an actuarial conference. I have a reinsurance background, so fortunately I do have contacts as well, but that that's probably our biggest hurdle is getting to those decision makers and um, trying to uh, shake those opportunities loose. Yeah. Awesome. Guys, brings us nicely onto the espresso Round now, I know we all like our strong black coffee. We've all got our coffees here today. You guys ready for the espresso round? Yes. Sounds good. Yes. 
the espresso round. Yeah, I'll start off with James. James, how many people are you looking to grow the business by in the next 12 months? So we're looking to to probably grow between 10 and 20%. We'll, we'll time it based on, on the opportunities that, that present. Yeah, so very much growing the business as the premiums grow. What are the cultural values that you're looking to build as you do scale and grow the business? I'd say fundamentally collaboration, curiosity, and doing the right thing. Excellent. And as you do grow and as you have grown, how do you find that balance between keeping that? It may not even be a balance, but how do you go about marrying the two together? Some of the things that you put in place to ensure that? Our organisational structure is really designed to keep that entrepreneurial curiosity in place as we grow. We, we operate in, a, in an agile organisational structure. So we've got small multidisciplinary teams that are empowered to make their own decisions and follow their, their own paths. And with the different regions as well you know working on a global basis do you find that that's a challenge in some places as it is in another and how do you find you know this this world we find ourselves in of of remote working as well and and building teams in that type of environment yeah no it's a great question it's I, i think it's why collaboration is so important as as we grow and it's it's one of our our key values as a company if we can all help each other succeed and we're all pulling in the same direction that's going to be absolutely central to our success i think remote working and hybrid work environments actually been really helpful in, in breaking down barriers between mm. global teams um back in the day when we were in the office a lot teams in other parts of the world would be faces on a screen and the B, you can't avoid side conversations in the room on people in the room picking up body language that's harder to pick up on, on the screen. But now that we're remote, everybody's on, on an equal footing on that Teams call or that Zoom call. So I think it's been really helpful in, in building that international collaboration. Absolutely. And I, I think there's always been that for international businesses based in the UK, but certainly UK based businesses, tradition has always been to have a hub with an office, whether that's in London or somewhere else in the country. But Brett, in America, obviously, big national teams, people based all, all across the country. So a few more people used to working in that remote environment before the pandemic, would you say? Yeah. And in fact, I'm in the Boston area and I don't expect to actually recruit here to be honest, because mm. uh, it's not a huge insurance market anymore. So I'm not, probably not going to get people to move here and I don't really need to. And, you know, I like what James comments that the remote aspect leveled the playing field. So when I came on to you know, leave North America, I was on my own, but I never felt that way. Um, mm. Worked so closely with the UK and Asia team that it just felt part of the team right away. And it wouldn't have been that way. I think if we were, you know, if I was, you know, the lone person on a screen while everyone else was in a conference room in mm. London. So it's, it's definitely a lot of pluses out of this, uh, but we do get together is physically a couple of times a year too, which certainly helps. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It sure does. Brett, actually, I'll, I'll turn to you first for this particular question as you're looking to grow out the, the operation there in the US. What can a high performance insurance career bring to your business out there? That's a great question. Um, I mean, I think that there's a variety of back- backgrounds that can really contribute to an insure tech. We've got a lot of great pure tech people in our business. And then we also have some great insurance people as well, but trying to bring somebody from the insurance background that can think a little bit more agile, a little bit more creatively in the insure tech space isn't an easy task. Um, so it's finding somebody who can bring all that knowledge, but also kind of change how they approach things. We also work with a lot of autonomy. And I think that's hard for people coming from large sort of hierarchical environments that 
most carriers tend to be. To have that sort of freedom and independence, you have to be very self-motivated because we don't you don't have a list of like, you need to get this this done today. It's like, you know, to, we have a problem to solve. Let's sort of figure out how to solve it. So it's it's a great environment for certain people. And I think people need to decide if that's the right one for them. But I would encourage to give it a try because we do need insurance experience in this side of things for sure. There's certainly a lot of insurance executives and a lot of insurance professionals out there who have worked for those corporate businesses for a long time. And largely due to the pandemic, actually, I think, and the way that technology has, has, has changed things, the way people's outlooks change. There are a lot of people who are considering moving to more of a tech-enabled business, but it's definitely not for everyone. James, what would your advice be to maybe someone who's maybe had a 20-year 20, 20 career or so at a corporate and, and is now looking to be at a more agile, more growth-led technology business? What would be your advice to someone considering that route at the moment? I think number one would be to find people in your network who, who already are in InsureTech and talk to them about what it's like. I think number two, I would say, think about what you actually enjoy at work. Do you enjoy the the large hierarchy and governance of, of big organizations or do you prefer something more entrepreneurial, more dynamic and more agile? If it's the latter, then InsureTech's a great fit for you. And then I think thirdly, just immerse yourself in everything everything software development to try and get a feel for what it's like and, and to get an understanding of a new industry. Yeah, I think that's great advice. And just while we're on that subject, Brett, obviously that's a transition that you've made in your career, albeit the business is obviously very closely aligned. But how have you found that transition from a from a large corporate entity to a much more nimble insure tech? It's actually, it's been great, but I actually was fortunate most of my career. I worked in small teams within the large corporate structure. So I kind of got to do my own thing like I worked in a space called corporate owned life insurance in the US that did guaranteed issue and simplified issues. So I actually was working in trying to simplify underwriting for ease of sales. And so I feel like I've come full circle on that because then I went to reinsurance for a number of years. But now I've been fortunate. I don't think I could have survived in the true bureaucracy of a large company. I always found those small corners that I got to be left alone. It was quite pleasant. <laughs> so it's an easy transition, I feel like. Great. And final question of the espresso round to you, James. If there are founders, if there are CEO of InsureTechs listening today, looking to scale, maybe they've reached a certain level of the business and they're now looking to grow the business out. What foundation, what infrastructure would you say is key in order to enable that growth? It's a great question. I mean, I think I think the fundamental is the the culture of the business. If you've got the right culture and you recruit people who believe what you believe, it, that's fundamental to your success. And, and I think it's the people that any investor is really buying into. You know, software products can be created, they can be rewritten, but um, the, the, the people and the DNA of the business is, is hard to replicate. And, and I think that's, that has to be the, the fundamental for any insure tech, any business really. Yeah, that's really interesting point. And I mean, it, the insurance market itself, obviously, is such a people-led business, but marrying that then together with the technology as well, you feel like you can really then grow something really special and something that can really solve a lot of solutions and create a really powerful organization. Yeah, I, I think, I mean, alongside the culture, you need the right organizational structure to to make it make that a success. I, I'm a firm believer that um, the best people to make decisions in the business are are the people who are actually there facing the problem. It's, you know, we don't believe in 
escalating decisions up to the most senior person in the room or the most senior person in the organisation. Um, I think if we can create a structure where teams are empowered to solve problems themselves, those solutions are going to be way more powerful and way more effective than something that's designed from on high. That makes sense. Yeah, it certainly does. Almost at the end of our time together in the insurance coffee house today. Time has certainly flown. We've, we've had a few more technical issues along the way, but it's been a fantastic conversation and it's been great to learn more about Underwrite Me. Before we go, though, would you both leave us with a, a closing piece of advice? And if there are people out there listening who might want to find out a little bit more about the business or maybe are interested in some of the opportunities that you have there at the moment, contact details or a way of reaching out to you. Sure. So final piece of advice would be always stay curious, always ask questions. If you don't ask questions, you'll never learn. And learning is so fundamental. Uh, If you want to get in touch with us, it's www.underwriteme.com. You can look at our careers page and our contact details are on there. Awesome. Thank you. And Brett? Uh, yeah, I think I would add that, you know, you don't necessarily have to change companies. Carriers are branching out into automation and data science. So there's opportunities within your company in terms of a comfort zone, like similar to what I did. So I just say, I think this is the way forward. So it's the insurance professional. You, you do want to have some element of this in your career path. Um, we, I think we still are going to have traditional underwriters for the really complex cases, but there's still going to be elements of using the the, the data sources and uh, you know organizing it through automation. So you know, don't be afraid of it and kind of embrace it. Absolutely, yeah, it's a great time to be part of the insurance industry. There's some amazing opportunities out there, and you're right. Whether that is for an insure tech or whether that is with an incumbent organization looking to be innovative and looking to grow that way. James, Brett, thank you so much for your time today. It's been really great to hear more about Underwrite Me. Some great advice as well for our listeners moving along their career journey. So thank you for your time today. I hope you've enjoyed it. Thank you, Nick. Thanks for having us, Nick. Absolute pleasure. To all the insurance business leaders, to all the insurance and insure tech leaders, wherever you're listening around the world today, we thank you for joining us. And I'm sure you all have gained a lot of great insights and learnings from what James and Brett has had to share today. If you did enjoy the show, please remember to download and subscribe to the pod to receive each one of our episodes directly into your app each week. And if you'd like to be a guest on the show, or would like to learn more about the competitive advantage that podcasts can give to your business when attracting talent, please reach out to us at insurance-search.com or drop us a message on LinkedIn. Until next time, I've been Nick Codley. This has been the Insurance Coffee House Global InsureTech Series. Take care. You've been listening to the Insurance Coffee House with Nick Hoadley. Join us next time to hear more insights and inspiring success stories to help you become a better insurance business leader. Available to download or subscribe now.